Hello and welcome to Chick Flicks. I'm Mackenzie Chapman. And I'm Bridget Hovell, and we love movies. Horror movies are the only genre of film where women appear and speak as often as men. If you think that is both very cool and very terrible, we agree and are here to talk about it. This week we're talking about It Follows and Jennifer's Body. But first let's catch up. So I think that something that has recently happened to us that we need to talk about Oh, yeah. I is. forgot we were going to talk about this. <laughs> so excited. Is so, to all the boys I've ever yes. loved. Mackenzie and I recently <laughs> spent a weekend together. She came down to Houston. And on the Friday night she was at my apartment, we watched Set It Up. I think that's what that was called. Yeah. Trash. Which I had heard pretty much trash. I had heard lots of people say, it's so cute, it's such a classic rom-com, it's a return to form for the genre. And then we watched it and it was very boring and I fell asleep. Um, <laughs> they didn't even kiss until the end of the movie. What? And uh, yeah, it was just fucking boring. And so then on Saturday night, we were like, let's give this Netflix rom-com thing another try. And I had also been hearing great things about To All the Boys I've Loved Before. And so we sat down and watched that. And it was everything we could have wanted it to be. Oh, I said it wrong. I said the t- Did I say the title wrong the first time I said it? I, I, it's, for some, it's a really hard title to remember correctly. It's so long. <laughs> it's, to all, yeah, it's so long. It's so long. You said it right. I think I said To All the Boys I've Ever Loved, which is wrong. Yes. Whatever. It's so it's, good. I love it so really much. It's great. like one, my new favorite like movie right now. What I think was really like good and special about it, it, it was an adaptation of a book, but it captured for me so many of the things I loved about reading YA as a teenager. You know, like Sarah Dessen and other authors yeah. that like just wrote really like uh like astute novels about being a girl, and mm-hmm. they were like realistic but also very escapist for young women and it was so good and it really captures what we just want like boys to be nice to us (laughs) it's so true it's so true i'm so sick of the trope about the okay i do like see a jerk with a secret heart of gold sometimes (laughs) uh like quarreling but uh yeah it's just i just want to watch a movie where a guy's just trying to be good to a girl especially a cute guy like uh, Peter like young Kavinsky. Mark Ruffalo, new Bay forever. Bobo, Mark Ruffalo, yeah, so cute. I have act- whenever I see a picture of him, though, I'm kind of like, why is he attractive? Yeah. And then I remember the movie, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's why it's he's definitely attractive. Like how nice he is, moving the so nice. popcorn, just writing the just love notes every day. Writing the love notes. It's so apparent next how to the like, it's so nice to see, like, a boy having a crush on a girl. Because you definitely know that That's he has so a crush true. on Largy and before, like, she realizes yeah. it. And it's so... Yeah. We so rarely see that, I feel like. At least, it's like... so true. Do you know what I mean? Yep. I agree. Okay. Okay. So that's making us happy this week. I have one other thing that's making me happy pop culture-wise. Um, the TV show, the HBO TV show Sharp Objects ended this past week. I watched the finale last night. It was good. I wish that the twist at the end had kind of been given more time, uh, had more screen time devoted to it, but it was me. really good. <laughs> what? Don't tell me. I'm only, I've only watched I two episodes. I won't. <laughs> but I liked it. Amy Adams is great. And I was reading some interesting articles about it um, that were basically saying, so there's like um, been some critical thought on TV shows that can be described as dead girl TV shows, like a dead girl show. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the TV shows like Genesis is built around the death of a young, like, beautiful girl, like Twin Peaks or True Detective or The Killing or a number of TV shows. Um, And that this one deviated from it in a really, like, nice and interesting way for a change. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, pretty jazzed on that. Awesome. Um, I'm sorry I said pretty jazzed. That's so weird. (laughs) That's okay. Okay. Do you want to dive into It Follows and Jennifer's Body? Yes. Let me take off my face mask real quick. Okay. I hope we get some noise of your second face peeling off (laughs) in the audio. (laughs) I feel like um, I should do the, the, like, uh, Silence of the Lambs, like, Dwight, or Dwayne, or Dwight from The Office. Dwayne. Oh, my God. That's so funny. Um, Yeah. I'll cut this all out. Dwayne. <laughs> Keep it in. Um, <clears throat> Dwayne okay. is like his bizarro world name where they go to a different office and everyone's kind of similar. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Written and directed by David Robert Mitchell, the movie It Follows was received with both excitement and scorn upon its release in 2014. Some heralded the film to be a new classic that followed in the footsteps of Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street, while others couldn't understand the hype. The film, which quickly became branded as the STD horror movie, is about a 19-year-old girl named Jay who is stalked by a strange, shape-shifting menace after a sexual encounter. Set in a suburb of Detroit during the dreamy start of autumn, It Follows weaves together themes of sexual assault, urban blight, and the horror of being a young person. Wow, Bridget, that was beautifully written. I feel like I could do it again, but okay. No. Uh, um, So... I saw It Follows in theaters, I guess it was 2015, because we were still in college when it came out. Yeah. Um, It was 2015, and I can, like, for some reason remember that weekend really well. Um, Like, Tim and I had kind of had a fight, and then we had made up, and he was like, do you want to go to the movies? And I was like, yeah, I really want to see this horror movie, It Follows. But I didn't know very much about it. I had just seen one review that... um, said like favorable things about it and we went to the movie theater and it was packed with people which is like a really fun way to see a scary movie and it I have not been scared by a movie in this way before it follows is definitely like the scariest horror movie when I first watched it I had trouble sleeping for about a week and it just got really got into my head where especially like thinking being frightful about the like internal logic of the film which is basically that if you sleep with someone who is like cursed in this way by this um evil uh menace that follows you everywhere then you are then followed by it and I would lay awake at night thinking like I was in a monogamous long-term relationship so I'd be like I it can't follow me because it would follow Tim first and (laughs) you know like yeah I got it got really got in my head damn maybe so I didn't think it was that scary when I first saw it, and maybe it was because I—I I think you saw it first. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty. You saw I it probably first. hyped it up. And I think hard. I like. Yeah, I think I was like, "Damn, this is gonna be like this is gonna fuck me up." But then I saw it, and I didn't find it that scary. And I think it's because she had her friends with her pretty much yeah. the entire time, yeah. so she had like a good squad with her, which. Um, I've said before, but I just don't like being alone. So the fact that she has a bunch of people with her, I think, helped me find it less scary. Yeah. Um, and also that, like, it was clear how she could just sort of, like, drive away from it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it was that, like, yeah. Go on. Sorry. Um, I guess I just, it kind of reminded me 
it's scary in the way I don't know if I might cut this out, but Keep it's going. scary in the way sort of the like almost a it kind of reminds me of the Babadook in a way that like it's scary in a way that like a mental illness is scary in that mm-hmm. it's sort of you can't get away from it and it's just kind of dominates your life and it's like exhausting. That's a very good way of pointing it. Yeah. And overwhelming. Yeah. And, uh, she can't like kind of continue to live a normal life, obviously. Right. Yeah. It's like she, and I think, well, I don't Maybe I'm jumping the gun here, but I feel like her, that was reflected in the camera work as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like all those, uh, pans of the, the camera just does these like circular pans all the time. And I feel like that kind of just mimics the just, like, constant vigilance that she yeah. now has to always be on her toes looking to see if yeah. anyone is that's such walking a, towards that's her. That's such a good point about the camera. Uh, actually, the same cinematographer as uh, Split. Oh, really? Yeah, I read that while researching for Split uh, that M.I. Shyamalan loved It Follows and was like, I want that. Uh, it's a very stylish movie. Yeah, for sure. And wow, I, we didn't even talk about the shell phone yet. That's like well, the number well, one thing. Up, that hold we... up, hold <laughs> up. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think it's interesting because uh, I think it, the premise really worked for some people. Obviously, it did for me. And I think other people were able to appreciate the movie but think it wasn't scary, kind of like you. And then I think for some people, neither. It just didn't work on any level. Because I've, I've talked to people who are like... Yeah. I don't think Shara liked it, but, uh, like friends and people online mm-hmm. who you, like, it seems like they either enjoyed this movie or they really hate it. It's like very divisive. Um, mm-hmm. and I think it's because it's kind of like this very internal personal horror, um, yeah. that makes it so frightening. Um, yeah, I feel like a lot of people, or at least some of the reviews I read and, um, I re-listened to the film spotting episode about it, but they had problems with the mechanics of, like, the demon or the curse or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't I guess I just don't care about that. I don't care about that either. It's so funny because I was thinking back to our discussion on A Quiet Place where the internal logic failing in that movie really bothered me. Yeah. And like kind of made me annoyed, but because this is so much like we were saying, like a, like a psychological horror movie, um, mm-hmm. and about like Jay's, uh, like emotional well being almost that I didn't really mm-hmm. give a fuck if, um, if it made sense all the time. Like I, I read yeah. Quentin Tarantino of all people. I read an, <laughs> an interview with him in Vulture where he was talking about how this is a great, a good movie that could have been a great movie. And the Vulture mm-hmm. interviewer was like, well, what would you have changed? And he was really harping on the fact he couldn't get over um, how the logic of the monster, for lack of a better word, changes throughout the movie. And at first it's just like walking towards you, but at other times it can pick things up and throw them at you and strategize. It can, its blood can be seen, but it can't. Um, but again, I just like, don't care about that yeah. <laughs> at all. Maybe it's because like it is something so it's it, I think it is like a very unique like concept mm-hmm. um, that it's just like following yeah. you, I guess. I mean, I can't think of another example that of something that it's like mimicking necessarily, although I think the like getting possessed or cursed by a demon obviously is like. Uh-huh. But, like, of. the pursuit, the slow pursuit is very unique. Right. I think 
because it's kind of like an ambiguous monster, I don't really care. Like, I don't care. Like, who knows what the rules are, you know? Yeah. Like, there are no rules when it's just this, like, made-up thing. Yeah. But and I-, I guess when, uh, like, uh, with A Quiet Place, it's like, it's an alien. It has a body. Yeah, that's true, too. It, like, I don't know. The government isn't, whatever. <laughs> Marginally that, involved. That, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also read an interview with David Robert Mitchell, who's the writer-director of this movie, and the interviewer kind of pressed him on, like, a lot of people hated the kids' kind of, like, last-ditch effort to kill the monster in the pool, um, mm-hmm. and the interviewer was like, that plan was so stupid, and he was like, yeah, it's stupid, they're a bunch of kids, like, they thought, yeah. you know, like, they, they thought that was a good idea, they kept shooting each other by accident, you know? Yeah. And like, yeah, that makes sense, that tracks for me. So what did you think of um, the actor's like specifically the friend group that we're introduced to. I really liked them. I think I liked them more the first time I saw it than the second time. Mm-hmm. Um, because I guess the first time I just, I just liked them all as like a little band of like of friends. But this one I was just, I don't know. I guess I was thinking more. It, it seemed the second time I watched it, Jay did seem more alone to me than in the the, the first time yeah. I watched it. I liked how, um, like, lived in the friend group seemed. Um, like, mm-hmm. we don't know a ton about them, but they, they're really, like, well-characterized with just a few, like, moments of dialogue. Like, for instance, um, so there's, it's composed of Jay, the main character, who's 19, and she's the one who's kind of cursed by it, and her younger sister, whose name is Kelly, and their friend Yara, who is kind of like the nerdy friend, I guess. She's always reading on this really cool flip phone, <laughs> shell phone. Um, and then this kind of like nice guy, caps lock and caps locks G, Paul, who they hang out with, who is so in love with Jay. Sidebar, also in the Quentin Tarantino interview, he was really angry because he was like, obviously that boy is devastatingly handsome, and they pretend he's a nerd. And I'm like, can you imagine being <laughs> an actor and being like, Quentin Tarantino called me, like, devastatingly handsome? <laughs> Which, like, not to be mean, but not really. <laughs> um, and then they kind of join forces with this, what I consider to be, I think, one of my favorite tropes, the handsome and helpful jerk. I would think of Steve in Stranger Things is one of these yeah. types of guys who at first you're like, this yeah. guy's not going to be any help. And then he is, and he's hot. Um, it's yeah. this guy named Greg. And he's introduced to us washing a car. Yeah, I mean, perfect. Um, and like, <laughs> what I was trying to say earlier is that there's this great exchange in the first part of the movie where um, the sister, Yara, and the boy, Paul, are sitting outside playing Go Fish. And they're taught, they're like, where's Jay? And the sister says, oh, she's on a date or something. And Yara goes, your sister's so pretty. It's insane. And uh, Paul goes, yeah, and she's so nice, too. And Kelly and Yara both give him, like, a briefly disgusted look. Like, and I was like, that's great. That's, like, what we need to know is that, like, everyone's, like, aware that he has a crush on the sister. And they're all kind of, like, yeah. shut up. Like, stop. <laughs> um, yeah. I think they were, they're, like, a fun group to watch and mm-hmm. definitely unique to have um a band of kids together or young people together like this where they aren't being like picked off one by one but they're kind of like helping each other and um yeah yeah um and the the another thing i love so much about this movie is the it's it feels so not like overly nostalgic for uh like older horror movies, but definitely like reverent of them. And Mm -hmm. 
uses like uh, throwback imagery and the soundtrack to like really great effect. Yeah, the soundtrack is amazing. Soundtrack is so good. I, I'm wondering like. Ian said this during while we were watching it. He was like, "Would Stranger Things exist if it was?" Really good point. Thought about that yeah. a lot too. Uh, we were like, "Yeah, I would," but still, <laughs> I feel like it kicked off like maybe like, maybe it was a going on bit before of nostalgia that, but... for that kind of like horror, '80s horror, synthy music, yeah. um, spooky shit. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and the music is by a group called Disaster Piece, and I think they had been doing like video game music beforehand. Um, oh. and it's just so freaking good and freaking evocative. <laughs> yeah. When the, like, when they see the, uh, at the end, they see the, um, I guess it's like a gym or something that the yeah. pool's in. I don't know what, but, and then the music, the like iconic yeah. sound song starts. I was like, yeah. so good. Do you have a favorite shot from the movie? Oh man. I like, um, I don't. I guess. No. I really like... A few come to yeah. mind, but what do you I think? I love the opening sequence where, like you said, it pans. It does, like, this big sweep of the street where we're watching this girl mm-hmm. um, who's being stalked by it, but she's not the main character. Um, and it's mm-hmm. it's really similar to, like, it makes you think of Halloween and the street. Uh, the leaves have started to change. It's, like, late summer, early fall. Um, but there are, there are, like, a lot of really good shots like that. And pretty much any time... I love, like, Jay in her bedroom... Yeah, herself. I love her lamp with all the flowers. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Every time she, I was going to say, like, every time she's near that lamp, that's, like, my favorite yeah. shot. Yeah, <laughs> and, I, and I think also, like, it was really refreshing how the kids dressed. And I, I think there's lots of, like, class elements going on in this movie as well. They're kind of in a, 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 they're in a suburb of Detroit, and D- Detroit is kind of like this city in decay. But... Jay and her friends and her sister all kind of dress like real teenagers um, and mm-hmm. maybe especially like teenagers from a single parent income household like they would wear like kind of mismatching outfits uh, but when Jay gets ready for her date in one of that like first scene in her bedroom she's wearing this really pretty dress and her bra straps are showing like uh, yeah. she's not wearing like a racer back bra and I love that because yeah. I was like yeah fucking we all we all don't have <laughs> Like time and energy. I, that was also like a back. very teenager yeah, thing. Yeah, definitely. I, like, really... I feel like when I was a teenager, I just that happened all the time. Yeah, and I was just like, I don't know what to do yeah, about exactly. it. Like they're just gonna be <laughs> shot. They're gonna make dresses like this, and what am I gonna do with my bra straps? Yeah. Um, but now I'm just like, I just won't wear a bra. <laughs> but when I was a teenager, I was like, I have to be wearing yeah, a bra like at so all times. If, if I see anyone, or... like if the pizza delivery boy comes, I, I can't. Know. Like I have to put on a bra to answer the door. Um, Yeah. So, um, and I think another really cool thing about this movie that makes it so worth rewatching is there's this obvious big theme or metaphor to pick apart, which is that this curse is passed on through sex and, uh, but there's all these other like different ones too, to kind of parse through, um, like the setting, um, is really interesting and that these kids, a lots of these, um, lots of the times they encounter it are in these like abandoned places, um, on the outskirts of town or that, um, the, the, the shape that the monster takes is very often like a naked person or a person who looks like they're, they've been a victim of sexual assault or very tellingly mm-hmm. in like two very consequential scenes, the monster takes the form of a parent. 
um, that we can like recognize of one of the kids. And like, mm-hmm. I think there's just a lot to, to think about there and like mull over, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, if you think about how she was given uh, the curse, she uh, had sex with this guy that she had been dating for a while, and it was consensual sex, and she seemed really happy Mm -hmm. um, that they had sex. She really liked him, but then uh, he... um, What is that? Like, put the clock... Drugged her? Yeah, he drugged her, yeah. Or, like... um, and it's like I don't know. It, at at some point, it's like like I I had I found myself thinking like was that rape? Like because he and the cops asked her I that too. You know, they were like it was consensual. Yeah, like, they, they obviously like don't understand the supernatural element, but they're confused right. by her story. Um, and I guess both of these movies we're talking about today seem very different to watch in light of recent politics and cultural climate of me too um you know that i was thinking Mm -hmm. more and more about how and many people have said this but it's like jay is recovering from being like sexually assaulted and she doesn't feel like she can trust anyone she has to be hyper vigilant around other people um and it becomes like a barrier to intimacy um in some ways and i I know the scd metaphor is a lot like easier to place but to me Mm -hmm. this seems to be like a movie about assault yeah, well, I think it could be yeah. about both, obviously. But I think, um, like, for me, when she almost, I think maybe even the scariest, uh, like, shot, mm-hmm. I guess, um, is when after she is drugged and the uh, boy explains the curse to her, um, her hands are tied. Oh, yeah. He kind of just dumps her outside of her yeah. house. And that was just... In front of her uh, friends. That's just, yeah, so sad. Yeah, in front of her family. She's in her underwear. She's in the middle of the street. She just is, like, on her knees in the middle of the street. She can't walk. She's sobbing. Yeah. And it's just, like, that is, like, so terrifying. And, like, just to... And that obviously the most real, like, part of the movie is that image, I yeah, feel definitely. like. And it was also the most, like, disturbing to me. Yeah, definitely. So I was listening to something else about this, and uh, I heard the, like, probably 40-something-year-old man just say, like, oh, she's tied up in this wheelchair in her underwear. And that just made me, like, feel so crossed out to, like, I was like, ew, like, this guy, like, watched it. I don't know. For for some reason, it was, like, different. I really feel for her. Um, And, like, the shame that she feels um, regarding it. There's a scene directly after her kind of like assault or uh, when she it's passed on to her where she's in the bathroom and she like looks down into her underwear you know yeah and yeah it's it's like a weird sad scene because she has been told that she has like a weird creature following her she Mm -hmm. had consensual sex but she's still like examining her own body with like this new critical eye um and I read in one of the articles, which we'll link to in show notes, um, the reviewer, I had been thinking of why does it come in pivotal moments? We don't really see adults in the movie. They're very, mm-hmm. uh, they're almost like in the Charlie Brown world where they're just like right off screen talking. Um, and yeah. when they, like the, in a pivotal scene, 
it takes the form of Jay's father, and then another one, it takes the form of uh, the character Greg's mom. And this person, um, who was it? Ed Gonzalez, I think, from Slant Magazine, said that it kind of seemed to be about um, how, oh, he says, adults in the film are largely conspicuous in their absence, mirroring how teenagers are wont to make their parents strangers to their sexual evolution. Um, and while the shape-shifting nature of Jay's pursuer is initially intriguing, that this entity often takes on the appearance of the character's parents weirdly raises more than just the specter of that sex education scare tactic that each time you sleep with someone, you also sleep with his or everyone, with everyone in his or her past. And I thought that was kind of like a good, um, theory as to why the parents sometimes appear is that it's, and I think it's also just like for maximum hurt too, um, in those scenes. Yeah. yeah. Disturbing. Um, yeah. What did you think of, so when I first watched this movie, I thought that it was a pretty progressive for a horror movie about sex. Um, and I know like in this case, sex comes with like this weird demon attached to it, but I, I don't think that Jay is ever shamed for like, she, it's never, no one ever says to her like, well, maybe you should have thought about getting a demon following you before you had sex with that guy or, you know, and, and it's, it's, yeah. um, I had a very like, uh, kind of positive takeaway from it in that regard. And I think other people did as well. Um, like, uh, Natalie Wilson in Miss Magazine, uh, wrote an article called it follows a horror film that doesn't blame the victim for having sex. And she writes that, um, she kind of wrote about how the film has like a heightened male gaze, but on purpose, which I don't really know if I, I didn't know if I agreed with initially, but watching the movie for a second time, I noticed more of the things she's talking about. Like there's a scene where they're yeah. in the house and Greg is like checking out Yara's butt. Did you catch that? Yeah. He does yeah. that a lot. It's always <laughs> Greg. He just like, he is a He's horn a horn dog. dog. <laughs> I mean, he's a handsome hot jerk. Uh, yeah. But she writes, and there's, she writes about how there's many moments of non-consensual watching. Boys watching Jay in the pool, a boy yeah. hiding on her roof and peering through the window as she's about to shower. Greg just watching mm-hmm. everybody all the time. And the camera's obsessive, intrusive yeah. gaze um, mm-hmm. all suggest that it's watching that is dubious. And further, being watched or victim of such a gauge follows us all, resulting in a culture that is profoundly damaged. Even at the seemingly happy ending of a couple holding hands, it may be following them, suggesting we must always be hypervigilant. So she kind of had the same takeaway that I did, but I think, I think there's a a, a different argument that can be made as well. Right. I definitely think, um, I mean, if it's, I like that what she's saying is kind of like, it's like, yes, that they have to be hypervigilant. There's like, not like, um, Jay is now the one that has to be watching all the time. But I think what's kind of vilified almost is the is the I think the male gaze is vilified I agree in yeah movie. it just it's shown us to be like super creepy and stuff um which I I like that it's shown yeah, to be like we're not creepy with Greg when he's checking out the butt like we're kind of apart in a yeah. way that feels like we're judging it yeah I, I it's because it's so like obvious yeah almost. it's so obvious that this is him looking not not with her knowledge like or, yeah. the camera or the or like the or audience even, yeah it doesn't feel the gaze doesn't feel yeah. forced upon us it feels like we're applying it to him or I even think that paul to me and i'm sure people could have many different takeaways from this paul to me seems like like a sad kind of pathetic character 
I don't read the ending as like know, yeah. them having a happy ending. I see it as like this weird like marriage of convenience where Paul was like ready to yeah. sleep with her and she was like looking for a way out of like this terrible curse. Right. Me too. It seems like they're forced into this monogamy. Yeah. yeah. And and even when he so she obviously isn't a virgin. I don't think she was no, when she first no. had first had sex in the movie. Um, but Paul, I think, was, and I think he asks after they oh, have yeah. sex, uh, he, he says, do you feel any different? Uh, and I feel like that, so I, I was like, oh, dude, I mean, it's like, she don't got time for that. It's, it, <laughs> it doesn't even, I mean, it doesn't even like, I can see that situation happening, even if she didn't like have a curse or yeah. anything. Just her being like, no, I don't feel different. But him being this like, so oh, special. like... This was... Yeah. yeah. I thought yeah. that... I think the movie is pretty, like, canny about that stuff. And again, to go back to this review by Ed Gonzalez in Slant Magazine, he said, um, by the time that Jay's predictably uncomfortable relationship with her friend Paul, who's pined for her since their first kiss years ago, seemingly revolves itself as a concerted go at a mag- monogamous union, the film leaves one with the impression of having slut-shamed its characters towards potential salvation. Which, you def- there's definitely an argument to be made there, but that was not my takeaway of the movie at all. I don't think it was, like, a warning about having casual sex, you know? I don't think so either. If, I, if anything, I think the ending could be read in a few different ways. It could be read, like, oh, they're, like, like forced into this, like you said, marriage of convenience mm-hmm. or whatever. And it also could be seen as, like, she does have an STD, mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty much. But she has found a, like, partner who loves her and she's gonna try and, like, yeah, live a normal yeah. life with him. And it's, like, it, like if, if I wanted to be as positive as I could about their relationship, I, that's how I would read it. I would read it as maybe they do actually have feelings for each other and, They're like, they just want to, like, work. Yeah, we take care of each other, protect each other. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, so this movie got so much fucking shit for people just really hated this movie um or some people did and uh so i looked at one star reviews on imdb this one's pretty great this is a one star review it is not even a horror movie and it is completely a waste of time a teenage movie that is written by a teenage screenwriter probably period At the end of the movie, I am just happy for Paul, who is trying to have sex with the protagonist from the beginning of the movie. At least he is happy. Also, what is the point of passing it on? Maybe they should change the name of the movie accordingly as Pass It On? The film is urging you to have sex to skip the devil, and the devil is so stupid to walk faster for catching you. As a result, I do not know why I'm wasting my precious time writing a review about this terrible movie. Believe me, you can find better ones. I like that this guy remembered Paul's names, but not Jay. And he was happy that Paul had sex at the end. <laughs> what, <laughs> what a good dick. takeaway. Uh, yeah, but I love this movie. This is, I think, my favorite horror movie um, of this of this century. Um, <laughs> Bam. It's just, like, so... It's just very, like... I love the, it's so stylish yeah. and the music it's is so, so good and the colors like, are great and the premise yeah, is good. I agree. It's good. And it, I, every time I watch it, I notice something different, like, um, Jay putting the strands of grass on her leg or just, I think I love the ambiguous parts of it too. 
uh, like when she, you don't ever know if she had sex with those guys on the boat, you know, like I don't, the lot yeah. the logistics stuff doesn't bother me and it just can't be made to bother me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about you? What would you, what's your final word on this movie? I love it. I mean, I would rate it like a nine. I think it's my first nine rating. Yeah, I would give it an. I would give it a nine too. It's, it's pretty much perfect for me. <laughs> Fuck the haters. Okay, Mackenzie. Before we start the second one, I have to get my charger. What's up, monster? Hey, Vagisil. <laughs> These are lines from the 2009 film Jennifer's Body, directed by Karen Kusama and penned by Oscar Winner and Master of Cork, Diablo Cody. Jennifer's Body is a tale of virginal sacrifice gone wrong. Jennifer, as played by Megan Fox, is the hottest alpha female in her high school when a roving indie band looking for stardom sacrifices her to Satan. Jennifer is saved by her non-virgin status and comes back from the dead as a vengeful succubus. When Jennifer begins to prey upon jocks and goth boys alike, her sidekick Needy is forced to confront both her own insecurity and her demonic best friend. Yay! Okay, so we actually watched this movie together when Mackenzie was in Houston, and then I watched it again yesterday. And it was my first time watching it uh, this month. (laughs) (laughs) I hadn't seen it before, but I had really wanted to see it when it initially came out in 2009. So I saw it in 2009 and I hated it. I guess I had high expectations and then they were yeah. just crushed. And then I watched it again with you and I was like, oh, it's like fine. It's it's better than I remembered. And then I watched it again and I freaking love it. Yeah, like <laughs> I think I liked it more because I knew many people hated it. It was another movie that just totally surprised people in a bad way um for context it came out right after juno and diablo cody winning an oscar for juno so i think people were kind of like a little sick of her shtick um Mm. which i think works still works better in juno sometimes than it does in in this movie but it's Mm -hmm. still enjoyable and fun like yeah (laughs) what uh, it's monosat and vagisil yeah i know the lines are just freaking ridiculous what what is that your favorite line? The- um, I love them calling each other Vagisil and Monistat, uh-huh. the two best friends, Needy and Jennifer. I also really love uh, Megan Fox's delivery of MoveOn.org. Yeah, <laughs> which is a joke they also make on Gilmore Girls. I think it was just very oh really at the time. Yeah, I think I love um, which is something that I remembered when we watched it, and I told you about that. I remembered when I saw it from two thousand nine was the line. Megan Fox is telling someone they're jealous and she's she says you're oh, like yeah. lime you're so jello you're lime green jello and I was like that made me hate the movie in 2009 but now I just it's part of its no, charm I love it. <laughs> um and another thing that kind of really cements this movie is like in its time 2009 yeah is Megan Fox as the lead Jennifer and mm. Amanda Seyfried who's still like bopping around I Megan Fox I could have looked this up beforehand, but I have not. I think she has stopped acting. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I haven't seen her in anything, really. And who would fucking blame her? She had a terrible experience at Transformers. Yeah. She is just, like, this slave to the male gaze and whenever she's being directed by a dude. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I love her in this movie. I Me think too. people don't give her credit as an actor. She is very funny in this. and Yeah. Really sells, like, when she... When she's being sacrificed by this horrible indie band, mm-hmm. like, I think she was acting her little butt off, and mm-hmm. 
when she there's a there's a great scene uh, or a moment I liked where she's trying she's like this uber confident really hot girl in high mm-hmm. school but she has kind of starstruck around this band that she's meeting and she's really awkward and like keeps saying weird stuff yeah and that was so endearing and Megan Fox really pulled that off I think she's great in this me too Justice I love Megan. like she I mean the relationship well I just really loved her performance too I think when she is first hearing the band sing, she's holding Needy's hand and yeah. and then she just lets go. And just like the look in her face, it's just she's just a girl. She I guess you you see the trailers for this movie and you're like, this girl's a bitch. She's yeah. stupid. She's the hottie. She's like the villain. But I don't yeah. think that at all. I think, like, she's just this girl from this small town who desperately wants to get out of the small town. Agreed, and, yeah. And I think Megan Fox's performance is, like, very is actually, like, super subtle and nuanced in that way. I agree. I think she's so good. I think Amanda Seyfried's also very good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they're very believable as friends, and I think... Their dynamic is one that um, teenage girls experience very often where oh, yeah. maybe one girl's more confident than the other or considered to be more attractive. And you just, like, feel like you're on this, like, like this pyramid, you know, yeah. where you need each other. You both need each other. And um, I think that's a very interesting premise to uh, have a horror movie start with. <laughs> right. I mean, this is, like... I'm surprised that I didn't, you know, like, relate to this more in high school since my... Uh, this was like exactly me and my best friend. I was really? the needy in the situation, <laughs> but like she was like the popular. She's also like older, but she was like the popular like party girl, and I was mm-hmm. like a nerd. And but we were still best friends because we had been best friends since we were like nine. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah, I definitely had friendships like this in high school with girls that were way more popular than me or had boyfriends which I didn't um <laughs> and it, it seemed like they had this source of power that I that I didn't have and right. um that's definitely a big part of this movie um I I also love all the like other signifiers of its place and time mm-hmm. like the first shot we see of Jennifer I think is on her bed and she has this gigantic follow-up boy poster behind her and the soundtrack is just riddled with I know. It's so Emo good. Scene There's like the Motion City gems. soundtrack poster. Panic at the Disco on the soundtrack. Yeah. It's just chock full of Florence and the Machine. The indie band that's in the movie, their song is very believable for what a song would have been like a popular yeah. song for that time. I was thinking about it while watching this movie and I was like, this is like a perfect nostalgia capsule for this time period. Like in 20 years when this time period becomes cool again, who knows yes. if that's actually true. Yes. It's hard to imagine. This is going to be like the cult classic everyone goes I to. so agree. Like I was watching it yesterday thinking of Karen Kusama, Diablo Cody, Amanda Seyfried and Megan Fox like doing a panel and like another Maybe even, like, five years or ten years, you know, talking about, like, what went wrong with this movie. Uh, Which brings me to the marketing for this film, which, again, I did not see it in 2009, but I remember what people were talking about in 2009 regarding this film was, like, the lesbian kiss between Mm -hmm. Needy and um, Jennifer. And that people were, it was in the trailers, it was really hyped up. Mm -hmm. and And reading a little more about the rollout for this movie, I just don't think marketing people for this studio understood this movie. Yeah, um, I, I was telling so. you yesterday that um, I read an interview with Karen Kusama, who's the director, 
and she was told by male executives that they wanted for a promotional piece, Megan Fox to live chat with guys on a porn website. And Karen Kusama was like saying she was basically like crying, like saying like, please don't tell Megan that this will crush her. This will make her so dispirited because in their mind, they're making this like feminist horror movie that subverted the male gaze. Um, and I just don't think people were ready for that. <laughs> yeah, I it it it's true. It's like I guess it was too early because watching it now I'm like this is like awesome. It's like such a I I do think it's like a feminist it's like, film. Yeah. It's for sure like a, a vengeance story in an interesting way. We see so many horror movies where like Rosemary's Baby for instance, where a mm-hmm. woman is kind of like the vessel for something terrible to happen or mm-hmm. for a man to use her for his own ambitions, which is what happens in this movie. The band tries to sacrifice Jennifer so that they can become more famous. And what they don't know is Jennifer's not a virgin, so it doesn't work. And she is saved by her not like not being a virgin basically. And then comes back as this like powerful demon, um, to like wreak havoc and eat men. And I think that's such a, like a fun subversion on that story. Yeah. And just to see like, Maybe I'm just like starved for friendship. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> just to see like, like <laughs> <laughs> just to see like two girls hanging out and being like, let's have a sleepover. Yeah. Like, etc. I'm like, wow. <laughs> I <Yeah>. miss that. <laughs> it's it's funny and, and I would wonder what like a queer woman would have to say about this movie. I did mm-hmm. uh, read one article um in a, uh, the, the blog, another gaze, um, about why this movie is special to some queer women Mm -hmm. because of it's like, like Jennifer's seemingly bisexual at times. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's also like, oftentimes I think with female friendships, there are like the intimacy that comes with being really close to another girl sometimes. Yeah. Um, well, it kind of, I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. like, I'm thinking about my high school experience. I actually saw this movie with my, my best friend who was gay, mm-hmm. and she loved this movie. And yeah. I was like, I don't like it, but she loved it. So I guess, like, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, but, like, I think... Yeah, um, uh, go on, sorry. No, it's okay, you go. <laughs> I the, and our show notes will include this article from sci-fi.com, weirdly, uh, called Why Jennifer's Body is Still Socially Relevant. There has seemingly been an uptick in, like, positive coverage of this movie this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and this person writes about the complex female friendship, how interesting it is that Jennifer and Needy seem linked and that their link seems to transcend mere emotion. In several instances, Needy is able to almost physically sense Jennifer's presence. And I, I think that's interesting to point out, too, like their friendship almost is like supernatural before anything happens like that, that they're so connected. Yeah. And I think, I mean, the last, I love how when Needy eventually does kill Jennifer, she like rips off her best friend necklace. Mm. And that's kind of what gives her, like, that's what like weakens Jennifer. Jennifer. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, is it a healthy friendship? Probably not. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's just complex and uh, interesting to watch. Yeah. Um, and, and, like, I, it's a realistic, like, that, it's a realistic relationship. Like, that. that's, a, like, a real friendship, that type, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
And I like that there's really no romantic plot line. I know Needy has a boyfriend, but mm-hmm. he's not important in any way. Yeah. Anyway, no. we're not swooning over Needy. He's no Peter Kavinsky, uh, no. is what I'll say on that. Uh, <laughs> the, the standards are higher now. After standards Peter are Kavinsky. higher. Um, yeah, and this is a quote from Diablo Cody, who wrote the movie. She said, it's such a terrible cliche to blame marketing, but I feel like it was marketed as this sexy commercial horror movie for guys where Megan Fox is just eye candy and the movie isn't that. It's this offbeat feminist horror comedy. I mean, who is the audience for that? Not a very big one. I think it's surprising that the movie... I don't think it's surprising that the movie wasn't a blockbuster, which I think is funny because it. I definitely think it's almost more of a comedy than a horror movie. I don't mm-hmm. know about you. I wasn't really scared or even grossed out by any scenes no. in it. Um, which is not to say there's a long tradition of like movies like that or horror comedies. Um, mm-hmm. But... I think if they had marketed it correctly, there would have been maybe I don't know. I wasn't sentient enough in two thousand nine to maybe. Yeah, I know. I didn't know what the fuck I was talking um, about in two thousand nine. Dang, that's almost ten years ago. I think if they, I think if people reconsidered it now, I, I mean, I didn't realize like how much, how like like Jennifer is also smart too. Yeah, she's smart. Oh, a great kind of. I wouldn't know if I'd call it recurring joke. Where a character, either to Jennifer or Needy, a male, like a boy, will reference something mm-hmm. and they don't get it. Like Phil Collins, I yeah. think, is one. Or And then the Rocky, Rocky Horror. Horror. And she's like, I don't like boxing movies. Yeah. Oh, and it's so funny. Uh, those are like, I know, it's parts. hilarious. And just before that, she was like, she was like, you're not PMSing needy. PMS is invented by men to make women seem crazy. Yeah. And I was like, Jennifer is very funny. This is hilarious. This is such a good role for Megan Fox. Justice for Megan Fox. I think she's a misunderstood actress. I hope she has a comeback if she yeah. wants one. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, we just did not get Megan Fox. The world did not Mm-mm. deserve no, her. No, we didn't. Um, yeah, and this is another movie that um, reading about it on IMDb is oh was God. terrible. Some people were like, hey, give this movie another chance. But there were so many. Mm-hmm. Oh, an interesting thing. So IMDb um, lets you look at the demographics of how they rate movies, kind of like they break it mm-hmm. down. The highest, the group that rated this movie the highest were girls under 18. Isn't that interesting? God bless I know. Them. I was like, oh, that's so sweet. Like, um, and I saw a lot of reviews, one review titled, not even worth seeing to jack off to Megan Fox that were like, one review was like, there's not even a good sex scene in it and you never see Megan Fox naked. And that Ew. just goes to show you how poorly they marketed this movie, that yeah. people were going to see it for that. Uh, like, yeah, another thing, sorry, this is kind of off topic, but another thing that it kind of just, the people that seem like the sociopaths are the, are is the band. Yeah, like so I true. Like when he, like when they're um, about to murder Jennifer and they're all in the woods and he starts singing that song, oh, I don't know what the song is. I got your number. Yeah, yeah, I don't know the song phone is. number song. But he sings that, and they're all singing together, and I'm like, this is exactly what, like, douchebag boy bullies are like. Like, they don't give a fuck. Yeah. They're just like... Anyway. I will say that this movie, <laughs> and maybe, like, a little bit of Diablo Cody's writing, is very white. Um, they have some jokes that do not land anymore. Obviously, no. times have changed, but there's a lot of jokes that are kind of cringy. 
there's uh, an Indian exchange student who they have some who gets killed by Jennifer, and there's like some poor jokes um, yeah. revolving around him. Uh, yeah, definitely some cringy stuff. All it's it, really startling to hear people use the R word uh, in movies. Yeah, I was gonna and say they, use it they a say ton that a lot in this movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, God, uh, Jenny, my sister, the other day was telling me about how she was out and there was this girl, not a friend of hers, but she was there and she kept using the R word. Jenny was just like, it is 2018. Like, yeah, it's just unacceptable. But yeah, um, overall, I really enjoyed this movie. I thought it refreshed a lot of like kind of old, tired horror tropes. Oh, what did you think of the framing device of Needy being in an insane asylum? That was fine, but I thought it the movie would be way better without the voiceover. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. I like I li- completely yeah. unnecessary, distracting, and just like lowered the whole like quality. I like the ending where Needy goes on to seek kind of like revenge. But I yeah, think me I could too. Have done without her being in the insane asylum, I kind of wish it had been like an abrupt cut or like. She kills Jennifer and then is, like, on the run, you know, or something. Yeah, but yeah. That part was just kind of yeah. silly. You're right. It, it was definitely unnecessary. Yeah. Um, it just didn't, it didn't bother me that much. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I would rate this movie, I think, lovingly a six. A six with a, Really? A six. I'm going to go higher. Go oh, higher. my God. I love it so That's much. Great. Now, <laughs> after my, like, third watch. I'm going to go like an eight. Okay. Yeah. It's a fun movie. It's really fun. It's really, really fun to watch. Uh, Yeah. So that was us talking about It Follows and Jennifer's Body, two movies kind of about teen girls and sex and complex stuff. (laughs) Thanks. And thanks for listening. It would really help us out if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ChickFlixPod and email us at ChickFlixPodcast at gmail.com. ChickFlix is researched and written by Bridget Hovell, that's me, and edited by Mackenzie Chapman. Many thanks to Tim Grieve Carlson for our music, and thanks for listening to ChickFlix.